Good morning. Welcome to the Mr. Relevant Podcast. It is Tuesday, August 8th. I'm your host, Jamie Mottram. I'm joined on the phone from CBS Sports, their senior NFL writer, and my personal tour guide to the Raleigh-Durham area, Will Brinson. <laughs> hey, Will. Jamie. Jamie, what's going on, man? Thanks. Uh, glad, uh, I'm glad I directed you to the world's worst pizza. Dude, you went above and beyond. Uh, no complaints. You told me all the places to eat and drink and shop, even like a nice little shopping Saturday with the wife. Uh, you laid it all out for me. I did have a bad experience at Trophy Pizza and Brewing, um, but I think that was just like just like a, some random occurrence. Um, was really impressed with Bond Brothers Brewing and Carrie. Yeah, that was that they was have, the joint. They have delightful beer for sure. Who's who? Who wears the crown of like Raleigh Durham beer? Ooh, that's a. Uh, um, I mean, I think it is probably Trophy right now. They've started canning everything, like their double death spiral just started coming out in cans, and they've got. Um, they had the heart of the hipsters, and that and that goes that goes a long way towards towards being considered the best beer, you know. And I, and I think that that probably gives them the edge. Bond Brothers is right there. Brewery Bavana. Uh, downtown is fantastic. Uh huh. We drove by there. Yeah, but I would say uh, I would say the the nod probably goes to Trophy. Well, anyone listening in D.C. Uh, is shit out of luck because I don't think any of these places distribute up there. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't think I've seen them up there. Um, you know, I've seen Burial out of Asheville in a bunch of pla- bunch of weird places before, and I think Wicked Weed, which is now corporate non hipster, is uh, is distributed in D.C. So maybe there's not no Raleigh stuff, but they can get a. Uh, North Carolina stuff. Well, one other Raleigh thing I was curious about. I didn't get a sense of it while I was there because it was July. Is is like how firm a grip the Panthers have on that area, or if like there's still like a legacy Redskins contingent, or like what's going on down there in terms of fan base? Oh, I would say I would say it's like maybe fifty fifty, maybe maybe skewed a little bit more towards Panthers now that you know the group, the age of us that grew up becoming Panthers fans because the Panthers were you know, around in, in high school or, or older. But, yeah, I mean, Eastern North Carolina is very much a sort of Redskins contingent type of place. And it, there's not – like the, the radio guys in Raleigh don't spend – like in, in Charlotte on the radio, they spend three hours a day talking Panthers. And they probably – they do not do that in Raleigh. Maybe, you know, a, a third of the program at most ends up being on the Panthers. And, and so much more is focused on college football and, and – <laughs> the other two thirds are just talking about state, man. Yeah, that's right. well, state yeah. this year. <laughs> State's good, man. I mean, they're going to be good, man. They're going to they're going to shit the bed at some point. You know, state is. Uh, yeah, here on the coast, it's like sports don't exist. Like you know, yeah. in, in a beach town. Like I don't think I don't think I've ever seen somebody wearing like a Raleigh Hurricanes jersey. Uh, it's Carolina, Carolina, Carolina Hurricanes. <laughs> Raleigh. I love, well, you know, I what, well, I mean, Raleigh because it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. it's like that's the closest pro team to here, and, and it doesn't exist. They actually um, spend a lot of time talking about the Canes here because the Canes are there's a I think it's, it's like sponsorship connections. You know, it's like if um, like doesn't like Ted Leonisis own like five different sports teams or something like like yeah. You, know, you always end up seeing promos for certain stuff on these channels, even though you're, you're like, well, really, do we need to be talking about that? Um, I, I would say like the the difference. The only time that like that changed um, with sports here in, in Wilmington was when the Panthers went to the Super Bowl, and then everyone was like, "Keep pounding, man!" Like, yeah, yeah, was yeah. On the Panthers yeah. bandwagon. Oh, it was like South Carolina. South Carolina too it was like, "Oh man, keep pounding, baby, keep pounding." You know, I mean, we don't even care about Clemson or the Gamecocks anymore. 
Um, all right, so most of the people that listen to this are DC sports fans. Um, the reason I wanted to bring you on is not just because you're a great guy and a, a very generous uh, recommender of, <laughs> of uh, <laughs> places to go in Raleigh. But I felt like you could give some national perspective. Like most of the people that we have on this phone are either like me, a Redskins fan, or somebody who's really closely, you know, paying attention to that team and not the rest of the league. Or they're at at their most objective, like o- like occupying space within the DC media bubble. So a few topics I want to hit you with. The first is just like the the Red the Redskins outlook heading into 2017. Like where do you see them fitting in in the NFC East? Uh, you know, it's a tough division. There was a lot of separation last year between Dallas at thirteen and three and and Philly at seven and nine. Like, how would you, how do you see it shaping up this year? Yeah, I think it's gonna be a lot closer this year. And I, I think if you know, if you look at it nationally, the Redskins are sort of getting um, treated like a, a second class citizen, um, which. It's probably I could probably phrase that differently, um, but <laughs> the, uh, yeah, it's like they're yeah. just being wiped out of society. Yeah, right. It's and like, forced yeah, to you know, move. No, sorry, nobody's no, nobody's paying attention to him. Just shipping him off to the. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I, but I really do think the Redskins are sort of getting a short of the stick here because when you look at these teams, I mean, Dallas obviously won 13 games last year, but I, I think anybody who's not expecting some sort of regression out of the Cowboys, even from just a win standpoint is, is a little crazy. The giants won 11 games, but they were extremely lucky and, and look absolutely primed to be a regression candidate. And I think when you look at the Eagles defense, they are, that's a unit that's going to be very good. And to me, the Redskins are pretty balanced across the board. Now you do worry a little bit about Sean McVay leaving because just how well, uh, Kirk Cousins operated under, you know, with him. But I think that there's enough, you know, of a system in place with Jay, obviously Jay Gruden there that, that it's not going to be a huge drop-off. And I, I think that this division is going to be up closer to 2015 than 2016 in the sense that I think that we'll see somebody finish 9-7 and seven and, and come out ahead. And somebody, somebody's going to win. Somebody's going to finish 9-7. and seven and then the bottom team is going to be like eight and eight. Like I, like I think it's going to be mashed together. And, and part of the reason is that, you know, the, the schedule is, is not particularly friendly for the, for the NFC East this year. I believe that they get the, uh, you know, like, like the Cowboys have to play the Raiders. Right. And, mm-hmm. They also get the uh, the the Broncos. Do they get the entire they get the entire? Yeah, entire AFC West. I think. I mean, I yeah. think like every time I see like the the strength of schedule rankings, it's it's like the Eagles number one, the Redskins yeah. number three. Like all the NFC East teams are up at the very top. Yeah. Um, that's good. That's music to my ears. Because if it's like it's if it's going to take thirteen games or even like eleven games to win the division, like the Redskins Red, are definitely yeah. not winning the division. Like, right. It's just not going right. to happen. But I mean, if I had to guess, just, you know, like a finger on the pulse of the fan base and the kind of media around the skins, it seems like, you know, like a win, maybe like one or two wins on either side of eight and eight is probably where they're going to be. I would, I would think, you know, most accurately, like seven to nine win range. And the other teams in the NFC just have, seem to have like a higher upside. Yeah, no, I think that's probably right. I mean, you know, the... Well, I mean, maybe. I mean, look, the Giants have this defense that played really well last year, but they they also got extremely lucky in terms of, you know, the production they got from free agents, and they didn't do anything to address the offensive line for Eli Manning 
Evan Ingram was a nice addition, but Sterling Shepard already banged up. You know, Odell Beckham was great, of course. I, I, I don't. I think the, I think the Giants maybe have the lowest floor of anybody. If that defense suddenly caved, they could be bad. And Eli continued to decline. They could be really bad. You know, the Cowboys are. The presumption is that they're going to play. The, the Cowboys had the highest upside, clearly. Mm-hmm. I think. But you know, that's because that offensive line is loaded and Dak looked like a, an All Pro. But the problem is, if you know, if they're transitioning players in that offensive line, and you know something, one injury happens here, one injury happens there. All of a sudden, you know, you have a trickle down effect where maybe Zeke misses a couple of games, or you know, he might be suspended one to one or two games. You know, you could see them slipping a little bit and coming away with nine wins instead of. I mean, there's just not a huge difference between nine and twelve wins in the NFL. I mean, that's the reality. You know, it's. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, there's a, a huge difference in the number, but in terms of how you get to that number, the difference is not enormous. I mean, there's just a couple of funny bounces of the ball can take you either way. I think the Eagles have a lot of upside, too, and their defense is scary to me. They're adding Timmy Jernigan to Fletcher Cox in the middle, and then they drafted Derek Barnett. I mean, they got a ton of pass rushers. And, you know, you're trying to counteract the Cowboys' offensive line. That's one way to do it. And then, of course, you, you know, you're trying to go after the Giants who don't have an offensive line. I think the Eagles could do a lot of damage in that division. And I agree with you that the Redskins are probably a 500-ish team. You know, they, could, they could win 10 games if everything broke right, but 9-7 and seven feels a little bit like their ceiling. I mean, although you know, it's possible Terrell Pryor and Josh Doxson both break out and, and you know, that defense is, is better than people think. I think the defense is better than people think. And, I mean, they, I mean, they could win 10 games and, and steal the division. I, I don't think it's likely, but it is, it's certainly on the table. Well, I mean, after the shit sandwich we've been eating for like 20 plus years, I'm so <laughs> content with a 500-ish team. You know, like that's just, that's fine with me. Right, see, are you guys sure you're not NC State? That might be. <laughs> we have the same, same like just abused syndrome. Um, okay, so zeroing in on the skins. Uh, the last time we talked about the skins on this podcast, it was like all the Kool-Aid guys that just had us like guzzling, you know, the hype drink and training, training camp. And the guys were really excited about, you mentioned two of them, Terrell Pryor, senior Josh Doxson, but also junior Gillette, DJ Swearinger, a new addition to the defense, Jonathan Allen, first round pick from Alabama. Uh, even like guys like Kendall Fuller, you know, um, yeah. who could figure prominently on the defense. We're really excited about all these guys and just getting like force fed, like training camp highlights for all these guys. Do any of them matter from like the national perspective? Like, <laughs> like are you, are you and other observers like, you know, walking away really impressed by, by anybody from that group? Yeah. I mean, I think the three guys, it was, I mean, look, it's, you know, it is, it is, it's early August. It's, you know, late July when we're talking about these guys, everybody looks great in late July and early August, you know, it's, and I think uh, not to, delve off the topic but i think it is interesting that that in 2017 every like there's social media for these teams are so is so prevalent that these guys are like you're getting these highlights that don't tell the whole story and it 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 makes hype it makes hyping it up easier right whereas before whereas before you would read about it in a newspaper right and you're like oh you know terrell Pryor looks really good in practice okay that's cool and now it's like Slow motion, Snapchat, Terrell Pryor, one-handed catch, 
Yeah, well, and, and it's and not even just the teams because there's definitely that factor, but it'll be yeah. like the beat reporters being like, sure. oh, Junior Galette just burned Trent Williams and got to Cousins. And it's like right. one play out of an entire day's worth of practice. And that's yeah, it's what like, gets it, yeah. echoed. Yeah. And, and, and maybe the, maybe Trent Williams wasn't maxing out on this practice play. I don't know. I'm just, just throwing it out. You know what I mean? I mean just the, possible. It's, it's no, possible. That, <laughs> but the same thing happened with Miles Garrett and um, mm-hmm. Joe Thomas. It's like, oh, look at Garrett annihilating Joe Thomas. And then, you know, you look at it closer, you're like, that was actually a screen pass. So that, that, didn't, that, didn't, that, didn't do, that didn't do him any good, really. I mean, he, I, think, he, I think there is some value. Like, I'm kind of making fun. Um, but you know, there's like the Redskins bureau reporter for the Washington post, Mike Jones, he'll yeah. also add context on Twitter. That's like, we have never seen Trent Williams get beat like this. You know what I mean? Wow. Like, like yeah, he'll, yeah. he'll, he'll add that context of like, yeah, that was just one play. And Trent is, you know, overall like dominating, but he's being pushed to a level that he hasn't been pushed before. So that, I mean, there is that, like, I think actually valuable insight happening too. Yeah. I mean, and to that point, I would say that from a national perspective on junior Gallette, mm-hmm. you're sort of like, okay, that's cool. When's he getting hurt? You know what I mean? <laughs> of course. Just, I mean, it, I mean, he's just, he's just, he's just been his MO since he got to Washington. He hasn't played um, one down. He's been here two, like two and a half yeah, years. Yeah, right, right, right. Did he, was he suspended and then hurt or just, just hurt both times? I th- hurt both times. Did he, did he, he tore an ACL and then came back and immediately tore his ACL again or is it a pec situation? <sighs> I don't remember. I don't remember what it was because I never like, got to see him play. <laughs> I don't know. It was just yeah. like, well, it was, it was something last year. He he, it was like I a think comment. he hurt himself on the like the very first like training camp rep or something like that, or, or, or OTA rep or something like that. But the enthusiasm um, is always there. Like the potential is so enticing. Of course, yeah. I mean, that's 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 why we fall in love with football players. I mean, you know, that's why we like certain football players. Um, and by the way, I. I <laughs> My dog actually is attacking me, but it's not in a not in a way that's going to disturb it. But if you hear me, if you hear me shriek and and the, and the lion goes dead, that's why. Okay, um, got it. I, I would say that the two guys that really raise, you know, I mentioned them already, uh, mm-hmm. Terrell Pryor and Josh Doxson, mm-hmm. I think are so important because of you know the losses that the Redskins took in free agency with Deshaun Jackson and with Pierre Garcon you know, leaving for Tampa and San, and San Francisco, respectively. It's going to be – Jackson in particular is going to be really difficult to replace. And I, you wonder – I mean, the, Washington had the second-best deep passing game in the league, according to Pro Football Focus, last year. And I think I'd like to attribute that in large part to the guy who had the most deep passing yards last year, Deshaun Jackson. You know, I mean, so you wonder how is that going to constrict sort of the, the way the offense runs in terms of, you know, when you flood the field with these receivers – and you don't have that really deep threat. What's going to happen? You know what happens then? I think it's paramount that that Pryor and uh, Doxson both step up. I mean, Doxson, of course, a former first rounder. You know, just you know, didn't uh, you know didn't play much and hurt too. Mm-hmm. And then Pryor is Pryor is such a wild card because you just don't know. You just don't know how he's going to react to a different environment when he's really basically playing his second full year as a wide receiver. I mean, it's it's wild. And I think that Pryor is such a such a freak athletically, and the, I, to me, the, his transition from quarterback to wide receiver, going over a thousand yards last year, is one of the most underrated stories in football. Because that's, I mean, that's that's really hard to do, and he did it really well. Like, yeah, really especially when like Cody it. Kessler's throwing you half the passes. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it's like Cody Kessler and uh, who else? Who else? Yeah, he had like uh, Kevin Hogan one game. RG three. 
Yeah, RG, yeah, right, 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 right. A shell of himself. Zombie RG three. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like like one like like a poor man zombie RG three too. So uh, to me, I think you see Pryor come in and make a pretty big impact, especially just moving the chains. I mean, when you're when you're rolling out Terrell Pryor, jo- let's say everybody's healthy and they and they kind of take a step. Terrell Pryor, Josh Doxson, Jamison Crowder, and Jordan Reed. That's four really like four really dangerous weapons. And it's a pretty diverse group of weapons, too. And I think that's important for this Redskins offense because of how Gruden likes to get those wide receivers out. I actually did a piece. I think it's up on CBS today, but kind of looking at how Sean McVay can help Jared Goff and basically comparing the play calling that Rams had last year versus what McVay does. And and what you Mm -hmm. see is, you know, and it comes from Gruden and McVay, but the the goal is to get Kirk Cousins – Kirk Cousins doesn't have to be a superhero. He just has to be a smart decision maker and, and, and not miss, you know, these easy throws. And, and, and that's fine. I mean, that's, you know, that's good quarterbacking. And, um, and I think that with the receivers that he has, you can still create those situations where he can find guys who are open and he can, he can put the ball in the right spot. And he, he shouldn't see a big drop off if those guys all step up and play well. Um, defensively, Jonathan Allen, I mean, of course, interested in what he does because mm-hmm. – he was, I mean, he was probably the steal of the draft. Either he or O.J. Howard were the steal of the draft. And if he is as good as his potential offers, then the Redskins are going to have a, a perhaps a totally different defense because of what he can do in the middle there and, and, on, and on that defensive line. They need it so bad. Their defense is just like stunk on ice for five years in a row. Well, it's just um, been like – it's just been like – I mean, it not stunk, right? I mean, it's been just sort of middling. I, I don't know, man. <laughs> like the Saint, like the Saints stink on defense. I think with Saint, well, yeah, the Saints are like a different level of awful. Where I think like their football outsiders DVO rank on defense is like literally thirty or worse every year. Yeah, the Redskins are like twenty or worse every year. So yeah, I mean they're middling, but it's 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 tired. Um, just, and, they're just just slightly below average. Yeah, which is which is which may be worse than terrible, honestly. Well, and they they changed out a lot of the personnel coming into this year it's just like there's it's not like a lot of the new guys they added can be counted on to be you know a marked improvement you know like dj swearinger at safety seems like he's one of these guys we're overdosing on in terms of hype but like why was he available in free agency why didn't he he take that much money to get him oh yeah maybe he isn't an all pro safety like he's a a step up from what he was what we've had but yeah um you know, and they, they spent their first two picks on Alabama defenders that you'd hope would be improvements. Hopefully, have Galette healthy again. I mean, they could have starters or like in, like you know five different impact players, but I wouldn't bank on any of them due to you know them being rookies or them being injury prone. Um, there's a lot of volatility there. Uh, yeah, no, I agree completely, and I think that it's yeah. I the the guys I would worry about getting hyped about are. And only because I'm somebody who's who's done the hyping or been hyped and gotten burnt before. But it's DJ Swearinger and Junior Gallette, you know, these guys aren't. Like you just have to catch. If you catch lightning in a bottle and you get career years from both of them, that's mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. But I think you have to bank on some sort of regression from the training camp hype to the point where they play uh, like you probably expect them to, and or miss time because of injury. Yeah, and the one guy I'll say that I'm like totally buying all the stock is Terrell Pryor. <laughs> like he's yes. been so yeah. impressive, it's crazy. Even dating back to last year, the Redskins did play the Browns, and I mean Pryor, he didn't put up a like crazy numbers. It might have something to do with the offense that he was in, 
but it did not look like Josh Norman could hang with him. Like yeah, Norman I mean, seemed clearly overmatched. It, it, but I don't think it's like it's it's just physicality, yeah. right? I mean that that's the thing is that you can't stop Terrell Pryor because he's this. It's not because he runs these precise routes and, and cuts in on you. He is just so strong and should not be playing wide receiver, but somehow made the transition quickly, and he can just overpower most, you know, most corners. And that's weird too because Josh Norman usually gets torched by you know smaller guys like an Antonio. Mm-hmm. You know, the, mm-hmm. those are the guys. The smaller guys give him trouble. He usually doesn't get out physical, and for, mm-hmm. so for him to get beat physically, that tells you just how good Terrell Pryor could be. And Pryor seems to have a good like mojo going with cousins, you know, they're both sure. on one year deals, you know, <laughs> yeah, varying yeah, sizes. Um, yeah. They both, you know, were quarterbacks um, and seem to have that perspective on things as well. So I, I think cousins, I, well, I was going to say, I think they're going to help each other make a lot of money, but I don't think cousins needs the help. Um, right. No, maybe there is a, there is a little bit of like, Hey, let's, let's make each other rich. Cause if, mm-hmm. if Terrell Pryor plays out the year on a one year, $8 million deal, and he goes over a thousand yards again. And if he goes up, if he messes with like twelve hundred yards or something like that, he is going to get absolutely paid in free agency unless the Redskins decide to franchise tag him. <laughs> How many franchise tags do we get, guys? <laughs> yeah, uh, right. That was my dance night. Um, anyway, last question for you. While we're kind of on the subject of cousins, I don't want to talk about the contract stuff or the way in which that was handled, but I am curious because I was just looking at the list of quarterbacks heading into this year. I've, for the last like year or two, that's a year, year and a half, I've regarded Cousins as like an average to above average quarterback, maybe like a borderline top 10 quarterback. And I think that's somewhat in line with like the Redskins fan base consensus, even, even though we acknowledge that he's in a great situation and has you know continuity and, and quality guys on the offensive line and good weapons, he seems like you know he's, he's good. He's like top half of the league quarterbacks. But then I'm looking at the list, and I don't know. It might be more like 15 to 20. (laughs) You know, it might be more than that range. There's so many good quarterbacks that are putting up numbers. If you were going to have, you know, if you could have any of them for this season. Okay, I was going to ask you. It's just for one season. Yeah, not thinking about, like, the rest of their career. Or even, like, I'm I'm saying even, like, situation independent, you know, like trying to remove them from, like, the situation they're in. I don't know that Cousins is in the top 15. Yeah, in fact, you know, that's interesting because so when you, when you originally, you, you know, obviously you told me you were mm-hmm. going to ask the question, mm-hmm. my initial reaction was 12. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, th- like I'm, thinking, I'm thinking he'll be 12. Mm-hmm. And um, when, I, when I, I, I wrote him down this morning, and I, I, I have him as the second best guy in his division mm-hmm. that I would take, but I still have him at 16th overall. That's where I've got him too, though I, I – it gets a little muddy in that, like, sure, like I'd say 12 to 17, 18 realm, <laughs> you know, there's yeah. a lot of interchangeability. Well, I think, I think here, the, so do we agree you would take Dak over Cousins? Is that fair? I have Dak at 10. Okay. Well, yeah, we're, we're, I, I didn't, I didn't necessarily, I kind of just got him out there. Like, I would take all of Marcus Mariota, yep. Andrew Luck. Yep, James Winston and Dak and Derek Carr over Cousins. Is that? I feel like that's yes. Though yes. I had Jameis closest to Cousins of, of that group. Mm. Um, and then I think obviously Cam Newton, Ryan Wilson, and Russell Wilson are above him. 
Yes. No, no brainer. Breeze, Rivers, Ben, Brady, Rogers, and right. then I, I think you would take Luck, even though the, yes. the Colts have seemed determined to botch his shoulder situation. I think it gets interesting when you go with it becomes Eli Palmer, Cousins, and Dalton. And yes, that's sort of and the mismatch well, that's well, hard well, to figure out. there's three other guys I'm not sure you mentioned. Uh, Wentz. Well, I'll just say Mariota. Oh, okay, I thought I said Mariota. I would oh, definitely you, take you, Mariota. You might have said Mariota. Yeah. yeah, I've got yeah. him at 11. Okay. Stafford and Rivers. Did you mention Stafford and Rivers? I'm sure I mentioned Rivers. I had Rivers at like five. Okay, um, okay. You, okay. Based well, on it, my blind, blind homer. State. <laughs> state, man. He went to State. So you know, sta- we, don't Stafford, like, we don't like Russell. Um, Stafford yeah, over Cousins? I would take Stafford over Cousins. Me too. Yes. The one there's, I think, one other guy you haven't mentioned, like Eli. You have, I would you have take Cousins, Cousins over, Eli? over Eli. Yes, but okay. I would take that's close. Take, that's close. But I would take Carson Palmer over Cousins for just this year. I had Palmer down low. Not that I watched a lot of Cardinals last year, but I just know it was like a shit season, and he's an old dude. <laughs> he is old. He's thirty-seven. He is like he is our he is his our age range. So basically what we're saying is like we agree that Cousins is in that like he's, – he's pretty much perfectly league average at like the 16th best starting quarterback for 2017. Yes, but I do think that in fairness to Kirk Cousins – Kurt Kurt Cousins, um, if he was playing in 20 if – he, if he was in his situation right now in 2013, he would be like 12, top 12. Just because the, there's so many good quarterbacks right now, there's just there's just been sort of this influx of guys mm-hmm. between Mariota, Winston, Carr, um, mm-hmm. and Dak, and and you know Wentz is you know Wentz could Wentz could leap up into that group this year if he plays really well and, and has everything click for him. Um, yeah, I just think I just think that there's been an influx of young talent that there that we hadn't had since like '04, and as a result, it sort of bumps Cousins down a little bit because to me, Cousins is not a guy who, and this is not a it's not a knock, really, but he's he does not elevate everyone around him um, as much as the situation around him elevates him. I right. Think. Well, and his numbers have been so good the past two years. You know, when you sure. look at like passer rating and average yards per attempt, and you know, like pretty much every metric would suggest that he's a top ten quarterback. But it's so situation dependent. I mean. And looking at this, like he just seems, I mean, he's basically Andy Dalton. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know? but I don't. But that's okay. I mean, right. No, you can't say you can right. run a playoff game with Andy Dalton because you, you haven't. But <laughs> um, I, I mean, I think that I think to a certain extent, and I go I go back to the, I think this is why the the argument about Cousins exists is that yeah. he's cerebrally a very very good quarterback. Um, he probably lacks the physical skills, right? At least, I mean, in, at least right now to, to make all these great throws, but because of his, because of the situation that he's in with both the coaching staff and the talent around him, he's able to put up massive numbers because he, he's a, he's a great point guard. Like mm-hmm. he makes, he makes really good decisions in terms of ball distribution. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, so he's, he, I mean, I don't, he's not like John Stockton versus Michael Jordan, but he's just, you know he's a he's a passer he's a he's a passer and he's not a I, I don't know it's hard to it's hard to do the basketball analogy because it gets all crossed crossed up but I mean he, he's a he's a he's a distributor and he does it really well 
because he makes the right decisions. But even when you watch him making the right decisions, a lot of times you're like, that's not even a good throw. <laughs> you know, well, like, like you hit this wide open guy and he barely hit him. Well, I agree with all of that. I mean, the other thing, like, I think that gets overlooked when people say he's in such a great situation and has so many weapons is that their running game has been pretty awful sure. the past two years. Like, to the point where sometimes it just doesn't seem like they have one. You know, so yeah, yeah. that that I think might also like he could elevate his game and the team could could go further if they added that piece to the puzzle. And, you know, I don't expect them to this year, but that that might hold him back as well, because they do seem to be there's just no balance with their offense. Um, yeah. And I also would say, even though I'm pushing him down the list into like Andy Dalton territory and, and, and just totally like in that middle tier of quarterbacks, um, I still think that they should have extended him whenever they could have ideally last summer, but this summer as well. And, and I hope they keep him for years to come because, you know, there's something to be said for having a quality quarterback who's going to enable you to be in that 500 plus range each season, especially when you're the Redskins and Super Bowls just seem like a pipe dream. I mean, to take it back to state, we just want to go to a bowl game. <laughs> you know, that's yeah, all. We just want to make the playoffs, you know, be it actually, not, it's not even just make the playoffs. I just want the December games to count, you know? Yeah. That's pretty no, much I, it. Yeah. No, I'm with you. And I think the, the dumb thing about it, not to, I know, not to talk about the contract, but the dumb thing about it is, you know, you knew you had a guy who was a top 20 quarterback mm-hmm. and you could have paid him because of the way the situation unfolded with RG3 and Cousins' deal running, like they didn't get to see a full rookie contract out of him, right? They had mm-hmm. to see the back end, and, and they no, nobody believed right. that it was the you know nobody believed that this is something that just wasn't going to fall apart. And and as a result, the Redskins, you know, decided. And you know, there's all this changeover in, in in the in the front office. They I think they just I think they they hesitated, and it left them in a position where they were going to pay millions and millions and millions. But the alternative is you have Brock Osweiler and RG3, and that's way worse <laughs> than having Kirk Cousins for $25 million a year. <laughs> right. And, and by the way, my QB list only went to about 21, 22, because the last 10 starting Q, Q, QBs, you just don't want to be in that tier. <laughs> like, you, you really just don't. do not like, want to be yeah. in Brock Osweiler land. <laughs> Ty, uh, Tyrod Taylor would be an interesting guy to compare. He's sort of, sort of a similar um, career arc, I guess. You know, and like he, I think he's underrated at this point. But I, I mean, I would, I would take Cousins over him, but mm-hmm. um, no, I mean, but like you don't want to be left trying to, trying to pull a guy out of thin. I mean, you just don't want to be in the position that those teams with bad quarterbacks are in. Those teams right. cannot contend. Yeah, I mean, I mean actually, I, Osweiler, I joke about that, but really, like you just did a story on Jared Goff. The Rams traded a ton of value to get him yeah. number one overall, and he had like the worst season of all time. I mean, yeah, it's like terrible. Yeah. And you watch him, and, and it's like he's, it's it's like he's his, it's like he's a uh, a tree who has embedded his feet into the ground, and he's just throwing with his torso, and these balls are just sailing all over the place. Ah, it's just not, classic, he, classic pocket passer. That's what I want. Yeah, right, right, right. right. <laughs> just stand I mean, tall in the pocket. <laughs> don't don't move your legs, dude. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, like you, you know, they don't know what they have at quarterback. And if you're the Redskins, you might be a little confused about what you have at quarterback, but you know what you have. And yes. you have a guy who wants to be in Washington, who wants to play for the franchise, who just wants to get paid what his fair market value is based on the way that negotiations have played out after betting on himself multiple years. 
I don't blame him for wanting all the money that he can get. He should do that. And the Redskins, by virtue of the way they handled it, kind of have to pay him the money that he wants. And now we're stuck in the position that, like, if he moves up this list this year, he becomes that much more expensive. Yeah. You know? it's, it's like it, well, we're, kind of, we're like rooting against ourselves in a weird It's a almost weird hard way. to it's imagine like, good, him. But not too good. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah. It's like, don't – if you could go under 4,000 yards and maybe complete 59% of your passes but right. still win 10 games, that'd be great. <laughs> well, the thing then, is, like, they actually – because last year he had almost 5,000 yards. But he only had yeah. 25 touchdowns, and it's because they were so bad in the red zone. Yeah. And that could be for reasons that will carry over into this year. But the like red zone effectiveness is one of those things that tends to bounce around year to year. He could easily be just the same guy this year, but have like 33 touchdowns. True. So, I, you know? Well, I will say that I think that part of and I think part of the, the benefit to the scheme for him is that the more the le- and this is true for any quarterback, so it's not like it's just a cousins thing, but the less compressed the field is, the it is is much easier to make decisions and make the throws that aren't going to be a problem. Well, now you've got me worried about the Deshaun Jackson departure. Thanks, Will. I would be worried about it. I, I would. I would be. Deshaun Jackson's I, gone. Now the entire field would turn into the red zone. <laughs> Great. Terrell, Terrell Pryor's a deep threat. Yeah, I I think they'll be. I'm I'm worried about Doxon though. I mean, as a rookie, basically a rookie, uh, you have no idea what you're going to get. But um, yeah. all right, I've taken up enough of your time. Uh, our listeners uh, can find you at cbssports.com. Find you on Twitter. Is it at Will Brinson or is there like some other stuff? At Will Brinson. I think you have a podcast of your own, NFL podcast with our old friend uh, Lock and Fora. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, myself, Nick Costas, Pete Prisco, and Jason Lock and Fora. Just a, 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 a not grouchy group at all. Um, it's called the Pick Six Podcast. We just fired it up, doing it three times a week. It's pretty fun. Yeah, Lock and Fora covered the skins for a long time at the Post. Yeah. He's, got great, uh, he's got great skin stories. Yeah, also just like unhinged on Twitter about the Orioles. Love it. <laughs> he really is. Are you, are, you, are, you guys, are you an Orioles fan or a Nationals fan? I, I'm both. Um, that's right. That's I'm right. both. I, I'm kind of like Nats are like the one and O's are like the one A. Because um, yeah. that's what I grew up with. But it's easy when they stink. Like when one of the other stinks, it's like easy to kind of like just not pay attention. But when they're both True. good, uh, I'm in. Are the O's, they've been, they've both the been good, good for like five years. The O's, are the, O's good um, this year? the O's are on a tear. They've they were bad for most of the season, and so they, they, they came out. They came out. They had the best record in baseball in April. Yeah. So then they nosedived. I mean, terribly yeah, until horrible. like yeah, until yeah. like the last couple weeks, and they gained five games in the wild card the past week. Like, yeah, and then Bundy threw Bundy threw a daggum gem last night too. And Machado, who was hitting like two nineteen at the break, is now up to like two sixty something with twenty something bombs. So I, yeah. the O's are the O's are dangerous right now. They are. Um, I, I was actually I was watching them play last night. That's why I asked. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of a sore spot for me because anybody who doesn't like both the Nats and the O's likes to make fun of people who like the Nats and the O's. Uh, like it's not allowed. Sure, sure, <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, but you know what? Fuck those people. <laughs> in sports, I'm going to root for who I want. Yeah, that's right. uh, all right. Uh, well, I guess that's it. Thanks for joining. Uh, come back soon. We'll talk more beer. Uh, we didn't even talk about fish. We've got a lot more ground to cover. We do. Uh, we, can, we can definitely uh, hit it again. Yeah. All right, buddy. Uh, thanks, Will. Yeah, Jamie.